so that was a disaster of a start there for our, our first run through. So we're just going to transition to just doing it on YouTube right now. My name is Connor Riley. This is Connor in coverage. We come to you every Tuesday night talking the latest in Georgia football, recruiting, anything else you want to know about. This Saturday, we've got G-Day. It's the first big chance to see this Georgia program. We've got a ton of stuff to cover on today's show. As always, we're doing this on YouTube at 8 p.m. And going forward, we are only going to do this on YouTube live at 8 p.m., just given some of the issues that we have seen tonight. So I thank you guys for tuning in and sticking with me as I continue to try to figure out in this space what we're doing, how we're doing it. We got some new production. You heard new production music off the top, new graphics. Hopefully each week uh, you guys give me the chance to get better and better, and hopefully I take advantage of that because, uh, you know, I'm never great at doing things the first time, but eventually you do them enough, you get to a point where people are at least acceptable of what you're able and capable of doing. So my name is Connor Riley. We're going to talk a little about Jordan Davis tonight. We're going to hear from Kendall Milton. We got to speak to him for the first time in his Georgia career. And then we're going to wrap up a little bit with what uh, Mark Webb said about Tyke Smith, which I found very interesting on uh, this morning's Dog Nation Daily. So we've got all that. We're going to take your questions at the end of it. Obviously, with G-Day this Saturday, it's going to be a ton on that. Who we expect to see play well. I don't know if breakout's necessarily a fair term, but what I'm looking for, what you guys are looking forward to seeing, uh, the weather hopefully is supposed to be okay, not fantastic, but also not rainy. So We'll see how it looks on that front, but thanks for all for tuning in tonight. Uh, I appreciate you sticking with me. We had a little technical issue with our first run through, but we're going to dive right in now to Nicobe Dean uh, talking about Jordan Davis 2.0, and, and Jordan is someone who's could have gone pro after last year, and quite frankly, I think he would have been a second or a third round draft pick in the NFL draft, and he elected to come back uh, very much to be a leader on this Georgia team. He is going to get to play a game in his hometown in Charlotte to open the 2021 20, uh, season against Clemson, and I think that did mean a lot to him, but Jordan Davis is somebody who I think could potentially make that big step forward from right now. He is a name that every SEC fan needs to know, or at least should know. He is one of the most disruptive defenders in the entire country. The best run defender in the country, in my mind, Georgia has led the country in rush defense needs to the last two seasons. And Jordan Davis is absolutely the biggest reason why that is the case, but he came back, I think to improve as a pass rusher and make a bigger difference in that facet of the game, increase his sack production. He only had a half sack a season ago. And I believe that big sack came against Cincinnati in the last game of the season. So if he's able to do that, Jordan Davis goes from being first-team All-SEC, a guy everyone in the conference knows about, to being a, a Quinnen Williams, Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw, top 15 pick where everyone in the country knows about him. And so how does Jordan get to that point? That is, I think, the biggest thing that we are going to look for from Jordan, and not just us, but NFL teams, the Georgia team himself. How does he get to that next step? And I asked Nicobe Dean because I think Nicobe Dean is someone who benefits more from the presence of of Jordan Davis more than anyone. It is a symbiotic relationship where both sides really benefit, and I think the Georgia defense as a whole benefits from having both of them. But he is someone who, again, has a great relationship with Jordan. Those guys are going to be two clear leaders on the Georgia defense this year. And I asked Nakobe one, when you found out back in January he was coming back, what was your reaction? And two, how have you seen him continue to grow and develop this spring and as he goes out and tries to become, I think, a better leader for this Georgia program? And his answer was, was pretty interesting, and I will note here, if you're watching along on video, you will see a, a bald-headed Nakobe. He recently shaved his head. I uh, said he's going to start growing it out again for the season, so if you're a little jarred by what you see with Nakobe here, it's okay. We were, we were, his first couple of questions were about why he got his hair cut, but listen to what he has to say about Jordan Davis here. I thought it was really quite interesting. I thought Joe was coming back. You know, it brought a big smile to my face. You know, I had to call him. Uh, well, not call him, but text him, you know, basically know that, yeah, like, 
I'm glad he I'm glad he coming back. Basically, I let him know that I'm glad he coming back. And uh, you know, him just not just his playing ability, but his leadership and how he like get those other guys on the front going also. That was just great. I seen from this whole time I've been here. I didn't I didn't catch him when he was a freshman. I wasn't here yet. So it's just been just dominance and basically more leadership, a step of leadership. So yeah, you hear that last word there. He is continuing to dominate. Uh, and that's something I certainly expect him to do in the spring. And the biggest thing with Jordan, from an on-field standpoint, is just going to be how does he improve as a pass rusher? How does he impact that part of the game? Because traditionally in those third and long situations, he has not been on the field. They have gone Trayvon Walker and Jalen Carter, last season anyway, as those interior pass rushers on third and obvious situations. But with Adam Anderson playing more of a star designated pass rusher role with Trayvon Walker sort of bumping out a little bit to being an edge rusher in those situations, you wonder if Georgia puts Jordan Davis on the field there because while he might not be the refined pass rusher that Trayvon Walker is or have that straight line speed to get off, he can take up blocks and open things up for a guy like a Jalen Carter, for a guy like a Trayvon Walker. And I'll be really interested to see how that, even if it develops, we don't get a chance to see it on Saturday at G-Day, but how this develops this fall, starting against Clemson, which, quite frankly, Clemson's offensive line got its behind kicked against Ohio State, and that was a big reason why they lost that game that night. And Georgia's defensive line, in my opinion, is every bit as good as that Ohio State defensive line was a year ago, and possibly even a little bit better. And then, you know, Brandon and I, and all of us at Dog Nation have said, whichever defensive line has a better success rate against an offensive line, or conversely, if you look at it from the other side, whichever offensive line has the better day against whichever stout front they're facing, it's probably going to determine who wins the game. So we talked a little bit about Jordan as a pass rusher and that being what we want to see him do going forward. So what does Kirby Smart want to see from him? And I thought, you know, he's mentioned in the past Jordan's weight and keeping that in check. And that is absolutely something that he has done a fantastic job of. He challenged him, I believe, first before the 2019 season. He has continued to keep that in check and been a consistent player on the field. But I think Kirby Smart this time took it a whole step farther with what he had to say. And I expect, much like Jordan had met this challenge in the past, I expect him to meet it once again. Here was Kirby Smart from Saturday talking about Jordan Davis. Football's played so differently now. And uh, there's certain games he's a much larger factor in. Some teams can try to make him a no factor when they're spraying the ball out, throwing the ball a lot, playing loose plays. Uh, it's harder for him to uh, contrib- be a contributor uh, when the ball when the ball game speeds up. So it's critical that he get in the best shape of his life. Um, part of the reason he decided to come back, you know, was to be in great shape so he could create some more value. And that's that's one of the big things that he's working on. So, yeah, you hear Kirby Smart wants Jordan Davis to get in the best shape of his life. And if he's able to do that, that's going to go, I think, a long way in helping Jordan become the pass rusher that so many want him to be for this Georgia team because that's how he gets on the field more because he's going to play every run snap for the rest of the season for Georgia because he's just that good and that important. And quite frankly, with how well he has played in that position, teams are going to just naturally want to try and throw the ball a little bit more because you saw and you look back at that Florida game last season where Jordan Davis did not play, suffered an elbow injury against Kentucky. Florida, while they didn't run great that day, they ran well enough, especially in the first half, where Georgia had to respect it. And I think because of that, you saw them have a little bit more success than they would have if a guy like Jordan Davis was in there. Obviously, everyone remembers Richard LeCount was not out there. But Jordan Davis was, I think, just as equally big a factor, even though he would not have been covering those wheel routes. So 
what makes Jordan Davis so successful? Well, I pose that question to, to Warren Erickson tonight because he goes against him more than anyone should have to. I, I think it's a little unfair to expect one guy to have to block a talent like Jordan Davis that often. But I thought Warren provided some real good insight on, on what Jordan does well, why he is so good, and ultimately how he helps make Warren Erickson a center, someone who's trying to win that job and help improve that Georgia offensive line, how Jordan Davis ends up helping Warren Erickson and really this entire team get better simply because of his presence. So here's Warren Erickson talking a little bit about uh, Jordan Davis and, and how he makes not just Warren better, not how Warren benefits from playing against a guy like Jordan Davis, but really how the entire team benefits from Jordan Davis's massive presence. He's, he's something different. So I'm very glad that he is on our team for sure. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I think that uh, going against, against him every single day, um, I think I noticed myself getting better in different aspects I needed to. And, you know, it's definitely been a blessing being able to work with him and so that we can both improve our games. Yeah. Quite frankly, having to block Jordan Davis every day in practice seems wildly unfun, but it's something that I think Warren recognizes is going to make him a lot better. That Georgia offensive line we talked about a little bit ago, they opened the season against a Clemson front that's got Brian Brzee and Tyler Davis, who might be the two best defensive tackles Georgia sees all season. And then if Georgia is able to get to the SEC championship at the end of the year, I think they're going to see an Alabama team that has an equally stout front and, and playing against a guy like Jordan Davis every single day in practice. Wow. It might not match the intensity and speed that those game situations do. It is absolutely going to help prepare Warren Erickson, Cedric Von Prahn, uh, Justin Schaefer, Jamari Sire, whoever makes up the interior of that Georgia offensive line better. So with Jordan Davis, the big thing, the reason he came back is to go from a borderline first-round draft pick or a second-round draft pick where you sort of see Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell now are to being that no-doubt-about-it stud interior defensive lineman that can be a, an absolute game-wrecker in both the pass and the run. And so how does Jordan go about doing that? Well, he's continued to dominate this spring, and he's become a more vocal leader, which is obviously going to make him, a, I think, a more attractive NFL draft prospect. But it's for him to continue to get in better shape, not just to get to where he has always been, but improve upon that to where he is able to, while still keeping that same power in the run game, possess the finesse and speed abilities to be an impact player on all three downs. That's really difficult for a defensive lineman to do. There's a reason Georgia hasn't really had that in a while, just because those guys are rare. But Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker as well, because Georgia's going to ask him to do the same thing, are those rare type of impact players that national championship teams always seem to have. And I think if you get that in Jordan Davis, it's going to go a long way in helping not just himself become a first-round draft pick, but it's going to make Kobe Dean look a lot better. It's going to make that Georgia front seven and really that Georgia secondary look much, much better as a whole. So if Jordan Davis gets in the best shape of his life, as Kirby says, and shows up as a pass-rushing presence, as I try not to trip over my words there, for this Georgia team, it's going to go a really long way in helping everyone else. He is, for a while I have said, the most important player, and I hope that these quotes from Nakobe, from Kirby, from Warren Erickson tonight really help illustrate all that Jordan Davis does for this defense and what he means to this program. So that is sort of our first challenge of the night, not challenge, but topic, so to speak. 
talking about Jordan Davis there. My name is Connor Riley. You can follow me on Twitter at KConnorRiley. Talking a little Georgia football here tonight. We just touched on Jordan Davis for the first segment of our show. We're going to transition here in a little bit to uh, Kendall Milton, but keep asking your questions. I see uh, the Sacred Grove asking who's in the middle with him. Uh, Devontae Wyatt is going to play a lot there at that starting defensive tackle spot. And and Jalen Carter, not necessarily in a starter's role, but he is someone who I think is going to play an important part in this Georgia defensive line going forward. Keep your questions asking throughout the night. We're definitely going to hit a lot of them towards the end of the show. But moving on here to our second topic, uh, I don't know if there is a more popular player, at least based on social media, than one Kendall Milton. He had a a very flashy, I would say, freshman year where his statistics actually weren't quite as good as what Dejon Edwards uh, did in the later part of the season. But Made some real highlight plays against Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama in that early stretch and really looked like a player who was going to sort of continue to uphold that RBU standard. And that is something Kendall even spoke about tonight. I don't have that clip of him mentioning it, but but Kendall, as much as, and he was asked this, as much as you want Georgia to be a vertical passing offense, Kendall's here to say, hey, we're still going to run the ball and we've still got really, really good running backs. So... With that being the case, how does Kendall Milton get on the field more consistently? Because Georgia brings back Samir White. They bring back James Cook. Kenny McIntosh is going to come back from his elbow injury. It's a loaded back room, backfield. As, as N'Kobe Dean said, and I don't have this clip to play for you, but he said, the amount of talent we have in this running back room is crazy. So how does Kendall get on the field? Well, that's something that he and Del McGee have really worked on and talked about this spring and there's two sort of prevailing thoughts here of how that goes about happening. The first, pass protection. Kendall talked about that right here off the top. I actually feel like I'm a great leader. Um, I've never been that uh, that super like vocal person, you know, in practice. But one thing that I try to do is lead by example uh, through the workouts in the classroom uh, in practice. I've been trying to be a um, lead by example, you know, throughout the whole thing because. I feel like, especially with the younger class coming in and new guys coming in, I feel that they they watch a lot of our moves. Even though I'm not considered an older classman, they still watch our moves and what we do. So, you know, that, that's that's one thing that I, I've been focusing on. I- so, yeah, it talks about pass protection. I think, from my perspective, the clearest difference between Zamir White and Kendall Milton right now, and why Zamir is probably going to still be Georgia's leading rusher is because, or at least the running back that plays the most staffs, is because Zamir White is the best pass protecting running back. And in a, as a team that tries to be a more vertical, explosive passing offense, as Kirby Smart had said this past week, you need running backs that are going to be able to pass block for your quarterback so that they can hit those deep downfield shots. Samir does that better than anybody. So Kendall recognizing that and taking that next step this spring is going to be a big reason why I think potentially he does end up playing more uh, in, in a larger role this coming season, even in a very loaded backfield. The other part that Kendall had sort of talked about really improving was the pass-catching game as well. He did have a big catch in that Peach Bowl win over Cincinnati, and I think that's something where James Cook is obviously going to be the number one guy in that role, but Kendall and Zamir White has done this as well. They want to continue to show that, hey, they can be playmakers out of the backfield. Maybe not to the same extent that James Cook was, but you know, similar to what Kenny McIntosh was able to do at the end of that Peach Bowl where they felt very comfortable putting him out there and hitting him with a couple of short passes that he turned into significant gains for Georgia to win that game. So the second part that Kendall's really wanted to focus on is in that pass-catching aspect. I've been trying to raise my game uh, with the pass pro and uh, just, trying to, just trying to fill in all the gaps that, you know, I felt I kind of lacked uh, over the years that I didn't really get too much practice in. So, you know, at this point right now, I feel that uh, a lot of the weaknesses that I had, I feel like I've you know, put a lot of work in the offseason and done a lot of things to be able to 
you know, turn those weaknesses into strengths. So, you know, I feel like this offseason I've been able to kind of flip, flip the script a little bit. So we've heard a lot from Kendall about wanting to improve and getting better this spring. And, and based off that, you know, if you're new to Dog Nation, if you're – you know, haven't really been paying attention a whole lot this spring. You wonder, well, where is Kendall Milton in terms of, you know, making an impact? How is he progressing? And I can tell you from what I've heard, he is, a, I think, a clear winner this spring, someone who has clearly gotten better, turned a lot of heads, made it clear that, hey, while Zamir and James Cook coming back are great, even if they were gone, Georgia was going to be just fine at this running back position because they have a talent like Kendall Milton who, in addition to being a physical runner, is now able to really focus on those finer aspects of the game where he is able to pick up pass protection, be a better pass catcher, be a more complete all-around back. Similar to us talking about Jordan Davis at the top of tonight's show, Kendall, if he's going to see the field, he's going to have to become a more complete player. And expecting him to be a three-down running back this year, I don't think is necessarily fair to him or because of the fact that Zamir White and James Cook are both returning. But Kendall Milton is without a doubt a, a very big winner this coming from this spring period. And I'll have a winners and losers up next Monday, sort of talking about all this. But while we heard Kendall a little bit, talk about the things he wants to improve on. I think it's also important to to play what both Kirby Smart and Warren Erickson had to say about Kendall Milton, because while we focused a little bit on how he can improve and get better, it's clear. He's already done that. Here's what Kirby Smart had to say after this last scrimmage, uh, where Kendall had a couple of big runs in there. I thought Kendall did a really nice job today. Uh, with some physical runs, you know, who he who he is. I mean, we had a couple third and shorts, fourth and shorts that uh, he was able to convert as a, as a big back and do some good things. To me, hearing that Kendall was taking those third and short, fourth and short carries is interesting because a season ago that was rolled uh, Zamir White held and did fairly well. I know everyone wanted him to be better than he was, but actually if you look at the statistics, his success rate in those circumstances was actually pretty good for all – all things considered, the reality was he was just in a lot of those situations, and so he would have more misses or more short yardage gains than you would expect. The other thing that we learned about Kendall Knight is sort of what Warren Erickson had to say about him being a sort of powerful runner and really how that impacts and opens up the rest of the offense. So here's what Warren Erickson had to say about his teammate Kendall Milton. You made a perfect point right there. Our, our running back group is really talented. Uh, Kendall's another really talented guy. Um, you know, he's powerful. He's smart. Um, <clears throat> he's agile. And uh, he just brings all the great traits that uh, a good running back should have. So with Kendall, sort of like Jordan Davis tonight, there's sort of a theme. How do they go to be complete players? With Kendall, it's pretty simple. Anyone who watched him a season ago saw how physical he ran, what he was able to do when the ball was given to him out of the backfield. He is able to make guys miss. He's able to run through opposing defenders. How does he take that next step to where he is on the field a lot more? How does he go from, say, that DeAndre Swift role that he was in in 2017 where he was behind Nick Chubb and behind Sony Michel, sort of a change of pace running back that really made a difference in a couple of big Georgia games that season. How does he go from that to being that DeAndre Swift in, say, 2018, where he was, while he split time with Elijah Holyfield, when the game was on the line, DeAndre Swift was getting the ball in 2018. And I think Kendall can absolutely develop into that, even with the presence of James Cook and Zamir White, because those guys, I think, have clearly defined roles. Zamir, leading ball carrier, he knows all the checks, leader by example, 
great in pass protection, is going to make the right play. He may not be as explosive, unfortunately, because of the two knee injuries that he had suffered, but he is always going to make the correct play for this Georgia team, and that is absolutely something Kendall can continue to do. And Kendall admitted as much that he has learned a lot from Zamir, from James Cook, because James Cook, obviously not the in-between tackle runners that that Kendall and Zamir are, but as explosive as anyone on this team and is going to absolutely be used as a wide receiver threat out of the slot in addition to what he's able to do in the backfield. And if you don't think that college recruits are looking for how Georgia's going to use, say, a James Cook type, you're out of your mind because that is something that running backs, as they continue, I think, to to be marginalized in the modern game just because there are so many good ones that it has sort of unfortunately devalued the position. If you're able to show that you're able to do multiple things with your running backs, catch passes, use them effectively out of the backfield, and use them as slot-wide receivers, a la how the Carolina Panthers and Stanford Cardinal had used Christian McCaffrey, I think that's going to help you continue to attract that next wave of running back. So that's going to be... And for Kendall Milton, they expect him to be James Cook this season. One, to expect him to ever be James Cook. I don't know if that's fair. But with, with Kendall, the big thing that I'm looking for this season, I'm not putting the, oh, he's going to be Georgia's leading rusher, or he's going to be a huge breakout candidate. Is he situationally, is he in the game? Is he in those third down passing situations? Is he asked to be a pass protector? How does he handle catching the ball out of the backfield? Because it's obvious to anyone who's seen him play that he can physically run the ball. And as Georgia still tries to be a more explosive vertical passing attack, the ability to run the ball downhill with sort of a smash mash style as the Arthur Smith Tennessee Titans had done the past couple of seasons can absolutely help both areas of your game in terms of being a physical running team and also being a vertical passing threat. So how does he do in those small situational settings? I think it's going to be very important. And I would expect Kendall to see quite a bit of those on G-Day. He might not have a ton of carries. Quite frankly, I don't expect Georgia running backs to have a ton of involvement on Saturday. I expect this to sort of be a passing exhibition and sort of see, one, how do you get more reps out of these young wide receivers with a couple of them injured? And two, how do these young cornerbacks get tested and improve? I I think, and because of that, we're going to see Kendall Milton in a lot of those situational settings. Samir White and Dejon Edwards as well. But I think that's the thing. And if he shines in those examples, and again, it may not be apparent on the box score. You might look down at the end of the day and say, oh, Kendall Milton only had seven carries for 31 yards. He didn't exactly have the spring that I guess I thought he would. No, that's not true. Kendall Milton has absolutely shined in the first 13 practices for Georgia so far and is without a doubt a big winner. And I am interested in seeing how that carries over into the fall. So our second topic of the night, Kendall Milton, how does he improve? become a sort of more complete player and we learned how does he turn his weaknesses or what were his called weaknesses into strengths i think that is absolutely going to be something to look for on saturday's g-day my name is connor riley resetting things here a little bit this is connor in coverage we do this every tuesday night on youtube at eight o'clock and we will only be on youtube going forward talking all things georgia football we've got g-day this saturday 2 p.m. SEC Network Plus. Might be a little difficult for some of you to find, but check Dog Nation. We're going to have live updates as well as instructions for you to how to find G-Day on the SEC Network Plus app going forward. It's going to be a fun time. It's really first time seeing this team in person this spring instead of hearing the usual whispers that we hear from practices and scrimmages. Uh, there will be some fans there, I believe 20 to 25% capacity, essentially what we saw this past season, but I'm excited for it and hopefully lives up to the hype. Hopefully we get great weather and we quite frankly get to learn not a lot because Georgia does play Clemson to start next season and they're going to hold some of their cards close to the vest, but get a good idea of who's made small progressions that come September 4th when Georgia opens against Clemson can make those big progressions. But 
one guy that is going to be, I think, a very important part of this Georgia defense will not be there on Saturday, at least out there playing, and that is Tyke Smith. Smith, as you guys know by now, transferred in from West Virginia uh, to reunite with Jamal Adai, and we were talking, uh, we got a chance to talk to Mark Webb earlier today on Dog Nation Daily. Mark Webb is going to be speaking at the UGA Bookstore, or excuse me, not speaking, signing autographs at the UGA Bookstore on Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Make sure to stop by and check them out along with on Saturday, uh, Saturday as well, DeAndre Swift, Richard LeCount, Aziz Ojolari, Vince Dooley, they're all going to be there from 10 to 2 p.m., so make sure to stop by the UGA Bookstore and see them. But Tyke Smith, someone who Mark Webb actually knows pretty well, and beyond that, knows the role that Tyke Smith is going to be stepping into perhaps better than anybody. Mark Webb and Tyke Smith both come from the Philadelphia area. There's a familiarity there, and I'm going to play you a clip of First, Mark Webb talking about Tyke Smith, what he had to say about him, because I think this is really eye-opening. And really a kudos to Mark, who recognizes just how good Tyke Smith is and what he can potentially bring to this Georgia team. Uh, so this is Tyke, uh, Mark Webb talking about new incoming transfer defensive back Tyke Smith. Yeah, I know Tyke very well. That's my, that's my young – well, for my city, you call him, that's my young buck. But <laughs> hey, that's my guy. And it's just like – it's, it's, I wouldn't rather nobody else come to Georgia but him because he's a great fit. He's a great kid. You get what I'm saying? He comes in, he's, you know, he holds himself accountable. He holds other people accountable, you know. He comes in, he's, I know he's going to be ready day one whenever he steps on the field. And he's a, he's a baller. Like, of course I had to see him, you know what I'm saying? He's one of the best players to come out of Philly defensive-wise and offensive-wise. Like he's, he's a better, you know what I'm saying? I feel like he's a better he's a better me. And he's going to go out there day one and make plays as soon as he gets out there. So, you know what I'm saying? Expect a lot from him. I expect a lot from him, and I, I just I know he's going to have a great Georgia career. So, yeah, the big quote there, he is a better version of me. I, I think that should excite a lot of people because Georgia really needs Tyke Smith's playmaking this with the secondary. I like Lewisine and Christopher Smith a lot, but to this point in their careers, they have not necessarily, necessarily shown that they are the same playmaker that Richard LeCount was a season ago, and when he went out, I think that was pretty clearly the biggest thing that this Georgia secondary missed was they just didn't have someone who could be around the ball, force interceptions, force fumbles, things of that nature. And I think Tyke Smith showed at West Virginia that he could do that. That's why he was a third-team All-American. That's why he was such a coveted transfer player. And I, I, I will note, is reuniting with Jamil Adai, his defensive backs coach at West Virginia for the past two seasons. So with that in mind, where does Tyke Smith project? Uh, he's not a cornerback. I do not expect him to see him out there. Georgia will try him in certain situations, I am sure. He is not going to be a cornerback for this team. I think you're going to see him for next season at that star position because I think Georgia likes what they have in Lewisine and Chris Smith back there at safety. And I think he fills a pretty easy hole that Webb filled very well for the last two seasons. I wouldn't call him a fantastic player, but certainly a capable player and one that is going to be taken in this month's NFL draft. But what exactly is that star role ask you to do and mark i think gave a really great answer today on dog nation daily when talking about that because this is sort of the things that tyke smith is going to be asked to do and as you listen to mark here it's quite a lot uh i feel like the nickel is more like it has many faces to it so you can really play anything you can end up playing Sometimes you can end up playing the number one. Sometimes you can end up playing tight end. You can play slot. You can play running back. You play. You do a lot of zone drops. You do a lot of blitzing. You'll do a lot of run stopping. Sometimes you have to take on somebody that's 330 pounds. You get what I'm saying? It's a lot of different things that, you know what I'm saying, the nickels will take on. It's a multifaceted thing. Like, you can't just have one perfect nickel. Like, you can't have just a – 
fast, like, you know what I'm saying? You want somebody that's just multi, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. down, you know what I'm saying? But a nickel, you got to be able to do a lot of different things. And you can't be scared when you're a nickel. You got to, you know what I'm saying, basically be an anchor to the team. Sometimes you might, some of the things you do might not be seen, but, you know what I'm saying, you're doing, the, you're doing a lot, like, you're doing a lot for the team, and it really helps if you can, you know what I'm saying, if you can be effective at nickel. So, yeah, as Mark Webb really explained right there, Tyke Smith's going to be asked to do a lot of different things. Now, Georgia's not just going to use Smith at that star position. You're going to put Adam Anderson in there in certain situations as well. They're going to move guys around. Latavius Brini is someone that has played this spot, and I expect him to push for playing time there come the fall as he started the Peach Bowl last season when Webb was out with an injury. So you have all that out there, and really what Smith is going to be asked to do. He's obviously going to be asked to cover slot guys at that sort of nickel-slash-star role, and Money Dime is something he could potentially play as well for Georgia. But I think the biggest thing with Smith is once he gets in here, how does he sort of change how this back end of this Georgia defense plays? Because obviously, even with him back there, these Georgia cornerbacks are still going to be very green. I would expect them to not have the best of days on Saturday. And quite frankly, I think you live with that if that means that the Georgia offense is explosive in making those big downfield plays. Cornerback is obviously going to be Georgia's biggest game one worry or issue. And while they do have talent back there, Nylon Green, Keely Ringo, Jalen Kimber, Amir Speed, they just need a game experience. And I do think eventually Kirby Smart, Dan Lanning, Jamila Dye are good enough back there to scheme up ways to sort of slow teams down. And because really you look at the last couple of national title winners, they didn't have all world defenses, I would say. They they had capable defenses. They had great players on them. And I believe Georgia has that. But those championships were won because of elite offenses. And the reality is in today's college football, elite offense just beats great defense and, and and so with with Smith in mind him coming in the biggest thing that he has to do isn't he's not going to turn the Georgia cornerbacks into lockdown corners they're not going to feel much much better about ha- playing next to him back there in the secondary how does he create those negative plays because that's what Georgia really needs they need those interceptions those forced fumbles those tackles for loss which Smith had eight of last season the, the best way to win defensively in today's modern age, it isn't to make teams drive the length of the field on you and try and limit explosive plays. They're just tried that the last two seasons, and while it's won them a lot of games, they've also lost to the best teams on their schedule because those teams were able to consistently hit explosive plays. So you need to create more sacks, more tackles for loss, more havoc, uh, havoc plays, impact plays. And that is something that Smith is really going to be asked, I think, to do a lot of. Something that Mark Webb, quite frankly, wasn't because that just wasn't the way this Georgia defense had played. But I think you saw last season Georgia started to become a bit more aggressive in certain aspects of how they played defense. Yes, they were still the same press man coverage, too deep sort of look from time to time. But they really encouraged their front seven to get after it a bit more. They had, I believe, 32 sacks. And if you equate that over a 13-game schedule, they would have gotten to that 40 number that has been thrown out there a lot. Yes, they do have to replace Aziz Ojolari, Jermaine Johnson, Monty Rice in that front seven. But if this Georgia is going to be a, a more impactful defense and a defense that can help them maybe not shut down those elite offenses, but help them win games. It's going to be because they are forcing those negative plays. And that is the biggest thing for me that I look forward to seeing Tyke Smith do and really bring to this Georgia secondary, because they have guys like that on the defensive line and Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker. I think they have it at the linebacker spot with Nolan Smith and Nicobe Dean. I'm not sure right now if they have that back there in the secondary. Lewis seen is a great hitter, but he hasn't necessarily made the interceptions and tackles for loss quite yet that we have seen, even from a guy like Richard LeCount. And if Tyke Smith is able to bring that, you have a disruptor at, at that first level, second level, and third level of defense. 
And that, in addition to a vertical passing offense that takes the shots downfield and makes explosive plays, I think is the recipe needed for Georgia to win a national championship. Because really, that's why Tyke Smith came here. That's why Kenneth Milton came here. That's why Jordan Davis stayed. These guys came here to win national titles. And ultimately, we're going to get our first look at Georgia on Saturday and seeing how they go about do that. And while this is the first step in the journey, the end goal is still to win a national championship. And so how Jordan, Kendall, Tyke Smith, a lot of other guys we're going to talk about over the course of the summer, improve and make those steps, we're going to determine whether or not Georgia gets there. So that is our main three content items tonight. We talked about Jordan Davis, talked about Kenna Milton, talked about Tyke Smith. Got about 32 minutes now, so we shall open it up for questions, thoughts, uh, G-Day predictions, whatever you guys want to talk about. Um, we will dive right in. Uh, Sacred Grove asks, I'm looking for, uh, looking to see Keely Ringo, Nylon Green. I'm guessing Brock Bowers, Dom Blaylock, Amarius Mims, and Sorry this Saturday. I will say, uh, Dominic Blaylock will not be out there. He's still working his way back from his ACL injury. He's about eight months, I believe, now, if I'm doing the math off the top of my head there. I wouldn't expect to see Marcus Roseme either. Jermaine Burton will not be out there as he deals with his hyperextended knee, but Arian Smith is going to be out there, and I think if you're looking for a skill player that I'm most curious to see how he gets involved, it is it is Smith. I know Brock Bowers is someone who I'm going to have a big story on on Thursday and what he brings to this team, but Arian Smith is, like we sort of talked about with Jordan Davis earlier, a one-of-one and no one on this team has the speed that Arian does, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And so how Georgia uses him to stretch the field, to make plays downfield, I think it's going to be really interesting. And I know John Adams asked, do we scout Clemson's game? Does Clemson scouting house? This stuff is going to be available to them. They're going to have film on each other. I wouldn't expect Georgia to, and Todd Munkin to go deep into his bag. I think I would expect a, a fairly vanilla uh, Saturday there. I would say these first couple of scrimmages that we have seen on previous Saturdays, have maybe been a little bit more in-depth. And the big thing that always comes with G-Day is it is one of 15 practices. And remember that. It is one of 15 spring practices. So just because it is the one that the fans get to attend in person and they get to see, it isn't necessarily more important or the more important than the 14 that preceded it. It can be really good for a couple of different guys and, and just interesting for coaches to see how they perform under the pressure of the lights. But at the end of the day, guys like Kendall Milton and Carson Beck, regardless of what they do on Saturday, have already had great springs and made, I think, the strides that you need them to make going into this fall season. So it is not necessarily a make or break, or if, if a guy you really want to see, say Akili Ringo or Nylon Green, doesn't necessarily have the day that you want him to have, it's not exactly the end of the world, and it isn't exactly a chance to sell stock because they had one bad or one not even great spring uh, practice performance because they had a bunch of others and again you know a lot of the guys that we mentioned right there are all young guys that we want to see improve and for some of them Brock Bowers, Amarius Mims, Nylon Green it's their first chance at playing in a big semi-capacity crowd a, a not insignificant crowd in Sanford Stadium and so it's okay to not be great at things your first time I think anyone who's watched me tonight uh it's okay to not you know be I don't know rookie of the year I am totally blanking right now. But you you guys get the metaphor that I'm going for. You're not going to hit a home run your first at bat every time. And so because of that, you know, it's okay if a Nyland Green gets beaten in coverage, if Brock Bowers drops a pass. Because 
at the end of the day, these guys have a another 15-plus practices in the fall to get ready for that first game. And guys like Brock Bowers, Nylon Green, Xavier uh, Soria, I'll throw out there. Those are guys Georgia needs to be ready, I think, by game 13. Game one against Clemson, while yes, it is pivotal, the guys that came back are really going to determine that game. Uh, on, on the Georgia side, it, it's JT Daniels, Zamir White, Jordan Davis. On the Clemson side, it's a James Goloski at linebacker. It's Justin Ross at wide receiver. Those guys are going to be the ones that I think determine who wins that first game. But that last game, that game that is ultimately, I think, going to determine who gets in the uh, college football playoff, that's the game when you need to see those freshmen ready to go. So, uh, Colby Curry brings up Carson Beck versus Brock this Saturday, primetime. Uh, not to rain on the parade a little bit here, but I would expect to see a healthy dose of Stetson Bennett as well. I, I think Brock Vandergriff, as much as I liked him, and I've talked about him, as I've said, he's the quarterback for the future for Georgia. He's probably going to be your fourth-string quarterback on Saturday. And Carson Beck is someone who has had as good a spring as anybody, and I'm really interested to see how he puts an exclamation point on it this Saturday because if you were looking for a quarterback competition going into 2022, I think you really wanted to see Carson sort of make those steps because Brock Vandegrift is physically gifted. He has all the traits you would want in a quarterback. And Carson has really made the most of his opportunity this spring where he does have a leg up on Brock just because Brock is in his first semester trying to sort of get things figured out. So if you, uh, Carson Beck is absolutely one, I think one of the most interesting. And in fact, I would say even more interesting than JT Daniels to watch this coming Saturday. Uh, let's see. Mike Bogoli. And I'm sorry if I butchered your name there, Mike, who wins trust or Jones. Uh, this spring, I think we can declare Xavier trust the winner. I, I do not know if he's going to be the starting left tackle come Clemson, but he will be the first team left tackle on on Saturday on G Day. From all we have heard and from Kirby and players so far, trust is someone who has made the most this spring and has shown that he is a good bit ahead of Broderick Jones. Now, Brandon and I had sort of talked on this earlier today. What if you know Jamari Sawyer does have to be your left tackle, but that means you get say a Tate Ratledge at that right guard spot? What if Georgia's best five? is with Tate Ratledge and not necessarily Xavier Trust or Broderick Jones. I think that is something to watch for going forward. But for this spring round, I would say Xavier Trust is the, I think, clear winner at that left tackle spot. And we'll see how that matchup plays going into the fall. But right now, I'd give the advantage to Trust. Um, let's see. Let's do one more question. Uh, Sacred Grove asked, and we'll go out on this. Who do we think will be the return guy? I think it's going to be Karis Jackson. It's a role that he had had a season ago, sure-handed, made the right play, had a couple of nice returns. I do think there's a high upside option in Arian Smith, and I'll be interested to see how Georgia goes about getting the ball in his hands in those situations. Georgia also has another option in Dominic Blaylock, but given his knee injury, I don't think they're necessarily going to rush to put him out there, but that is a role that he held his freshman season back in 2019 when he was healthy. So Georgia is actually pretty well stocked at those return spots with Guys like Kenny McIntosh coming back, who had a couple nice returns last season. James Cook can do it as well. Um, I know Zamir White is back there, but he's an excellent blocker on kick return. So punt and kick return, really special teams as a whole. Georgia is very much set with Jake Camarda coming back as your punter and Jack Pudlesny coming back as your kicker. I expect uh, special teams to once again be a strength for this Georgia team in 2021. So that'll do it for us tonight. Uh, remember, this is Connor and Coverage. We are on every Tuesday night on YouTube at 8 p.m.-ish. Uh, just trying to get there at 8 p.m. every time. 
but we're working there. Uh, tomorrow night, you have Before the Hedges with Jeff Suntel. He's going to have a big recruiting look ahead as the NCAA is expected to announce this week that the return to visits will be begin on June 1st. A bunch of guys have already scheduled their uh, official visit weekends, and that is definitely going to be something to pay attention to. Uh, I've got Cover 4 on Thursday, previewing G-Day. That should be a lot of fun. And then, obviously, Brandon Adams through the rest of the week. Make sure we check out and stay tuned to Dog Nation with G-Day coverage on Saturday, 2 p.m. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do a ton of cool stuff. Obviously, a post-game show with Brandon Adams and Terrence Edwards from the UGA Bookstore. So, thanks for tuning in tonight, guys. My name is Connor Riley. I had a great time talking with you, catching up. Next time I see from you, our... Next time you guys see me as I try to nail the close here, we will be wrapping up G-Day, talking about what we saw, what we learned from the big event, and really what Georgia needs to continue to improve upon going into the offseason. But thanks again for tuning in, guys. My name is Connor Riley. This has been Connor in Coverage. Connor in Coverage. Have a great Tuesday night. <laughs>